0: I really like to divide the problem and the solution and by doing that you focus really deeply on the problem first until you know that like okay this is the problem then you put all your creative energy around the solution so we iterated this interface for about i would say eight weeks uh, with like literally daily uh, iterations that were small and weekly iterations that were pretty big
1: Ground Up, Episode 32 Heed and Shah has been building SaaS products for about 15 years. You've probably used at least two of them, including Kissmetrics or Crazy Egg. But recently, after coming off of two failed attempts at building a product solution in the document space, he and his co-founder Marie went back to the basics of bringing a product to market, focusing obsessively on the problem first. So this time the approach wasn't about, here's the tool we're trying to build, but rather, We're not sure what tool we want to build, but we do know that we want to solve the most challenging problem that you have. So after doing rounds of market research and interviews, a common theme emerged. I can't find my documents across all the different tools that I use. The resulting product, FYI, which stands for Find Your Information, helps you search and organize all of your documents in one place. G Drive, Dropbox, Slack, Box, OneDrive. These are just some of the integrations that FYI launched with. From the development of the product to launch, their approach for bringing FYI to market serves as a clinic for bringing anything to market. I dug into all of these steps with Sha, starting with the initial idea for FYI.
0: I'll share something that I haven't shared before, so Ooh, uh, exclusive. Th- I like it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so the name, and also, I'll probably share more than just this, but I thought this was super interesting. So. Uh, and then I'll, I'll go back to kind of your answering your question. So first of all, thanks for having me. It's um, awesome to be talking to you and doing my first podcast where what you wanted to talk about is FYI, which is my new product. Uh, and I've built a bunch of different products before. So the domain is usefyi.com. And this is what I wanted to actually mention that we've never mentioned before. So FYI stands for for your information, right? So what we haven't shared yet is something that I'm going to share right now is that our FYI stands for find your information.
1: Ooh, mind blown. I didn't know that.
0: Right? (laughs) Yeah. And we struggled a lot with coming up with the name. uh, But we think uh, based on, and this goes back to your question, based on the research we did, this is the right name. So the first big lesson that I have not shared is one, the name is FYI for your information. I think that's Brilliant. That's what everyone knows FYI for. But internally, the way we think about FYI was find your information. And this goes all the way back to our research. In our research, everyone just had a problem finding their documents. That's it. That was the number one problem people have in the document space. We, we, we looked high and dry for that problem. And this is, the, this is the one we found. And we had two failed attempts. You're right. One was a, a tool to help uh, founders with, uh, fundraising. It was called Dugo, D-O-G-O. It's at getdugo.com. Don't go there. It's embarrassing, but it's there. Uh, and it's in early access. And then we had a second one called DraftSend, uh, which lets you add voice to your PDFs and then share them with people. And both of those are great. I mean, you look at the products, you play around with them. You're like, Oh, it's good. It's good experience, etc. So we're pretty good at like building product. I've been building product for, I don't know, like, 15 years now, pretty much, uh, SaaS products. So I have some kind of uh, opinion about how it should be done. And those two are are totally, for lack of a better word, in my mind and in Marie's mind, my co-founder's mind, they're flops. And they're flops because we didn't do the right thing. And the right thing in my mind, when you're going after a category or a space, is you have to find the most painful problem people have and solve that. And don't, don't worry about anything else. Don't go worry about all these problems that you might be hearing from people unless you know definitively that that's the most painful problem. And the funny thing is, FYI actually came out by accident. We were doing research on Draftson, that tool where you add audio to a PDF and upload it, uh, or you upload a PDF and then you add audio to it and you get this nice video player looking thing, which we actually launched last year in October. And it ended up being the number one product of the day got like 16 1700 upvotes i was gonna wow. say
1: i remember that that, yeah. that wasn't too long ago
0: yeah it was like october and we were working on fyi right around the same time and one of the reasons we even got to fyi is we're like wait let's do more research let's 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 step back for a second let's do more research we were building Draftson by then and so if we if we had it been and we did more research we probably wouldn't have built it at all but we were building it we did more research and that helped us understand that the problem we were solving with DraftSend wasn't and isn't the most painful problem people have with documents. Now here's the irony. We launched FYI last week and it was the number two product of the day. Not the number one. It got over a thousand votes at the the end of the day, a couple days later. It's doing okay. It's doing fine, but it has way more reviews. We had way less people who were using it compared to DraftSend. I can talk about the difference between the two launches and everything, but it's really funny. Like one one was like a real big pop with with DraftSend uh, for a bunch of reasons, because, you know, we had a bunch of other people create presentations, add audio. They were sharing them that day. So that really helped that day be great. While with FYI, we're continuously getting more and more um, feedback and more and more users. And the sentiment that you mentioned to me before we even started recording where you're you're actually introducing it to your coworkers. And everything you read about what we do, we've been doing for you to the point where you feel the need to share it with your coworkers. And quite frankly, today, we don't do the best job of making that easy for you. We also don't do the best job of giving you more value because your coworkers are using it yet.
1: Right, and and just to give people an idea, so I have it open, FYI, open right now. Um, the question that I think most of us uh, hear a lot is, you know, where is that document? Did you share that with me? Where can I find it? Um, and I think probably every day people hear that. And um you know what I love about FYI <clears throat> and just to be clear, at Databox we're you know, we're just users of it. We're not affiliated in any way. I'm just uh, glowing at about all. it because it's I, great. I just met you. <laughs> Besides <laughs> the invite. Right, I, I just talked before. <laughs> I just love yeah, we're 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 friends on Twitter, right? And um yep, of course. But this is a uh it's a great product that sort of collates you know uh from from different places right G Suite uh Dropbox and uh a bunch of other places and what i love about it is uh you know when you first hop in you can see sort of chronologically like the things that you were, cre- were created or shared with today yesterday previous 7 days and and even when i'm in 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 Google Drive it's hard to uh, i just feel like it's really hard when you even when you click on most recent or shared with me it, it never feels like it's um I don't know. It feels janky to me. It never feels like it's it's exact. So like the things I most recently worked on, I always have the hardest time finding. And things I worked yep. on three months ago are, are like right there. And I. Um, but anyways, uh, so it's a it's a great tool that collates all of all of your documents from these different places in one place, um, w- which I find super helpful. And I think it's just, it it naturally extends itself to be viral within a company because when somebody says, "Hey, where did you did you share that with me already?" or "How can I find it?" It's almost like, "All right, well." Have you seen this tool? Because this is this is going to be a lot more helpful for you to find your, your stuff going forward. So it's like inherently viral um, within a company, which I find really cool. And um, so you mentioned Marie, your co-founder, and she posted on Product Hunt about how, um, you know, you guys had two failed attempts in the document space. And then she kind of went through a lot of the things that FYI, you guys tried at FYI um, or executed on to really nail the launch of this and bring it to market successfully, which I, after reading through, it's sort of like a clinic for, for doing it successfully, especially for, for for folks like you that have done it so many times, um, uh, successfully and not successfully, because you learn just as much uh, sometimes in both situations. So uh, I wanted to kind of run through a few of those and just hear sort of the deeper dive on, on how you came to certain decisions. And um, uh, the first one really was about... Uh, and you mentioned it earlier, was was getting user feedback, right? And um, a lot of people do this, but I feel like not a lot, a lot of people do it well. Um, so how did you facilitate uh, sort of the, the interview process, the, the, the prioritizing what to ask, and ultimately like, what did you learn about people's current behaviors as it relates to finding their information?
0: Yeah, that's great. So this started out with, a single question which is asking people what their number one challenge is when it comes to creating and sharing documents. And that's really the start of everything. That was the start of everything for us is basically what I would say is the the challenge question. So what you're looking to figure out is like, what are people challenged with the most? And that's why you ask them their number one challenge. You don't just ask them what's their challenge. You don't ask them what their challenges are, you ask them their number one challenge. And this we did in a survey. From there, in that survey itself, we asked people how they'd like to help us and one of the options was get on a call with us. another option is like look at a uh, check out an early product another option was like do do some uh, user tests for us things like that. So we asked them how they'd like to help us solve this problem for them or whatever you know problem that we're willing to solve in the document space. And from there we it led to I think it was about 52 uh, interviews that we did with people and we were really focused on, that number one challenge that they told us. So for every interviewee that we talked to, we we actually started with, hey, in your, in your response on the survey, you said this was your number one challenge. And then we use that to start the discussion. So a lot of times what I see people doing is they keep talking about whatever solution they have in mind when they do interviews with people. And this could be whether you've launched a product already or haven't, it doesn't matter whether people are using your product or not the key is to really figure out what are the challenges they have? What are the problems they have? And and the thing I like to say is I like to get stories out of people. So if they had said, hey, my number one challenge is finding that damn document when I need it, right? Which is the kind of language we actually heard quite a bit in the survey. We would ask them, well, like this is what you said uh, when you filled out the survey and told us what your number one challenge is. Can you tell us about the last time that this was a challenge for you and the last time this happened? And we, we kept asking that question. And what we got were really rich stories. And those stories are have led to exactly the behavior that you have with our product, which is that, you know, and the things you described, which is that people are challenged with this multiple times a week, if not multiple times a day, usually on a daily basis, someone in your team is asking somebody else, where's that document? And we wouldn't have known that unless we actually did these interviews the right way. I know it sounds obvious when I talk about it right now, and like probably everybody listening is like, yeah, of course, that's obvious. Yeah, really? Well, if that was obvious, then um, how come nobody solved it yet? <laughs> that's that's right. true. It's like we right? said earlier, and,
1: sometimes the simplest uh, problems are the hardest ones to solve. And
0: we would have never got to it if we told people, hey, we want to build a tool to help you create documents. Or we want to build a tool to help you share documents. We got to it because we said, we don't know what kind of tool we want to build. But we do know that from a uh, the perspective of what we solve, we want to solve the most challenging problem that you have. The thing that not even keeps, the, the, keeps you up at night, because I'm sure finding documents doesn't keep you up at night, but the anxiety created by finding documents and having to look for them and asking people probably does keep you up at night. So our goal was to really dig in and understand that And, you know, it's, you don't, you, you know, you nailed it once you hear the kind of things you're saying about the product, right? You're spreading it. You're, you're, you're wanting other people to have the same experience you did because it was just that good. And so what we were aiming for is to understand the, the, the problem so deeply and the challenge that we could create the right solution. And, and so, I really like to divide, and this comes from actually Eric Ries and The Lean Startup, I really like to di- divide the problem and the solution. And by doing that, you focus really deeply on the problem first until you know that, like, okay, this is the problem. Then you put all your creative energy around the solution. So we iterated this interface um, for about, I would say, eight weeks uh, with, like, literally daily... Uh, iterations that were small and weekly iterations that were pretty big. So I don't think you use the earliest versions of the product, but the earliest versions of the products were nowhere near uh, what you see today. And they didn't have the same effect by people. And honestly, this is a little bit challenging for us because your documents could be in a number of different tools, which instantly means we need to connect all those tools there. We learned that in the interviews, too, that, that the reason that people can find a document, one of the main reasons is that. They are across many different tools. The second reason is because of the one you were kind of mentioning earlier, which is that the tools are not designed around helping you find documents. They're actually designed around helping you create documents and share documents. And so any single tool kind of fails at helping you find the documents in that tool, which sounds absurd. But if you think about it, the products are not designed for findability. They're not designed for discoverability of the content they're literally designed to make you create more content. And that's a good thing, I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. So we, we found that this new category um, needs to exist based on these problems that uh, we, we have been sort of discovering. And there's so many more problems to discover is what we've realized. One of the most interesting things, though, is our research, and you called it a clinic, I guess it is kind of like a clinic. It's uh, we, we have another property called Product Habits, and that's where we've done a lot of the research and a lot of this work, and I know you're you're a uh, subscriber. Um, and one of the most fascinating things is, even when we do interviews today, we hear the same things we heard in the original interviews. And even if we ask different questions, most people still go back to this fundamental problem that they have, which is I can't find my documents across all the tools I use, and here's all the different ways I need to do that today. And so we have this challenge where like, our, our next problem to solve is like, how do we discover kind of what the next level of problem is uh for this type of product and one of the reasons is like until you've got the problem solved you don't really care about anything else
1: right and you you said a lot of interesting things there but two that i wanted to dig into was uh well first when when you do those customer interviews right a lot of the feedback that you hear kind of doubles as website copy right like and and gives you ideas for which value props to test and, and how to talk about the product did that did that help in any way Oh my
0: God, there have been, we iterated the homepage that's there today. Uh, We have 20 different versions of it that we tested with users and people uh, (laughs) to understand everything from user tests to talking to people and making them, you know, showing it to them in coffee shops and like understanding like how that, what they think about it and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, 20 versions all based on interviews. So every single word there. You could find in our interview research here's the thing too we don't just go talk to people and record it we talk to people uh if we can we record it if we and even the recording is not as important we don't usually go back to those as much but we take detailed notes and there's two of us on these calls and we take the detailed notes and we have literally hundreds of pages of interview notes right now that are all like basically word for word the things that people told us and that has led to essentially the product that We're seeing here where it has the kind of word of mouth it does, and obviously, just like anybody else that builds a product, especially super early, we think it sucks, and we think there's so many more uh, things we need to do to make it hit the mark. Um, But yet, it's getting the word of mouth that kind of we could only hope for. Uh, But it's all through this rigor. It's all through actually what you basically said, which is like did that, did that, did those interviews, did that, did those surveys, did what you heard from people help you make the home page. It's like, damn, yeah, of course. And and we iterated it 20 times on top of that.
1: I love that. Yeah, you can kind of steal the user's language is, is how I've always referred to it is when you talk to enough people, you can kind of identify the common themes. And uh, wh- wh- what I've sort of experienced in the past is you'll be on a call and you be like, Oh, shit, that's so great. Like, you, yes. you'll hear the language I use, and you're like jotting it down. You're like, you're been, you've been banging your head against the desk for days or weeks trying to think of how to describe something and then so matter-of-factly when you talk to your users they'll just say it and you're like what yeah yes that's it that's it it's just like you got to get out of your own head and it's such a such an easier way to go about it i think when you when you talk to enough users and you can identify those common themes um so i love that and um obviously there's a ton of tools that you can integrate with and i'm sure when you run these interviews you hear you know the full gamut so how did you prioritize that like initial launch uh you know group of integrations was it just purely based on volume i mean obviously g suite is a really obvious one but after that was it just volume of responses that you heard
0: um uh yeah that's a good question well it's uh, i think in product development like prioritization is super fascinating um because on one hand you're like i want to do what people say and 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 the things that are important such as the integrations they want and that's super critical but from a prioritization standpoint, we have to add the variable of like, how easy is it to do that integration? And for us, like it really boiled down to APIs, because we ha- this is, there's a big burden on this business, which is like, we're dependent on the APIs that are provided by the apps that people use. So if someone says they want a specific integration, we might not be able to get to it because it's more complex than some other integration that might be lower down the list. So what we did is we actually optimized for speed. So right now there's actually another six integrations that are sitting there in the hopper that we need to test and and make sure that they're fine. And then we're gonna start launching those. So we have a bunch more coming, but really the prioritization wasn't just what people said, it was also what's easiest and quickest to deliver because we knew we wanted as many integrations as possible when we launched it.
1: That's great, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like ease ease of use or ease of uh sort of effort on, on the engineering side plays a big role um, there's so
0: much so many mantras out there and i'm gonna pick yeah. on drift for a second because <laughs> uh, somebody a pm from drift maggie she was actually our early uh, early tester of uh fyi she said something about how like hey prioritization and all that you don't need a fancy frameworks and all that which i actually agree with but she she's like you just listen to customer support and it's gold and it's like yeah i used to run in, in both my businesses uh that uh sort of had hit, have hit some scale. I ran customer support myself, nobody else really helping except a few people here and there off and on for two years on each of them. And it is how you do product development, but if you don't add this lens of like, hey, what's easy, what's hard, how how, how challenging is that change? I don't think you're actually prioritize. I, I don't think you're able to ship anything, to be honest. Uh, and If you're not digging into what you hear in customer support. So just like every piece of advice, I think there's a lot of nuances to it. So I love your question because we could have easily said, oh, people want this integration the most. Let's just go do it. Instead, we said people want these five integrations the most. Let's, let's prioritize by what's easiest to get done and
1: quickest. Right, and you can get people 80% of the way there. And that you know, sometimes that's enough to get people to adopt the product and and stick with it, especially those early adopters, right? They're they're big on the the technology and being first. And I mean, like, like me, like I jumped on because I, I heard that you had a new product and I wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to see it. I wanted to try it out. I wanted to be the first in, or one of the first in. And um, sometimes those users are more willing to stick with you while you're building stuff out. Um,
0: yeah, absolutely. We we've noticed that too because. We had so many people that were using a a version of this product that, like, is no good. No good meaning, like, people would uninstall it. They didn't like what it was doing for their new tab and all that. And it took us a while to get to this. But, yeah, we had a lot of people that were willing to stick with it. So I totally, totally agree with that. I think it's really important, though, to, like, not just take the support and do things, but take the support and find what your actual prioritization needs to be and what you're going to base it on.
1: Yeah, what what can you ship this week or two weeks inside of two weeks or whatever it is, yeah. Um, the, ne- the the next piece that uh, both you and Marie have talked about that, that's sort of close to my heart is the copy treatments, right? And you just referred to it. You ran 20 different versions of the homepage. And um, I think you mentioned in your post on Product Hub that you used, did you use Usability Hub? Um, we used uh,
0: Usability Hub for their five-second test feature where someone sees a page for five seconds and then you, add, you can ask them a bunch of questions about it. That's great. So that was incorporated in sort of uh, our to figure out the headline. So the headline for the product today is search and organize, um, uh, what is it? Search and organize all your documents in one place. And we got to that tagline or that value prop is probably more accurate by doing, I don't even know how many uh, different uh, five second tests with different copy. Because think about it, if you learn that, hey, the biggest problem people have is finding their documents, your intuition, your instant like impulse is like let's go put that on the homepage
1: right for sure so
0: we did that we did find your documents <laughs> find your documents faster right find your documents across all the tools you use blah 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 and that copy for us at least in the testing we did did not resonate as much as a copy we have today
1: that's great that's it's so interesting how that works too right because like find your dot that's ultimately the the end result right people want to be able to find their documents quickly. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, what else can you share in terms of like what else uh, uh, maybe didn't work? So some of those early iterations was it was it just stuff that you had come up with, or, or was it always based on user feedback?
0: So the the process we use, which is um, very much something I learned from the way Marie likes to do things, is we took those uh, hundreds of pages of interview notes and actually summarized all of them, and and that that summary itself is like. Forty pages and it's like very in-depth but it's it's a summary and that summary is what has led to a lot of the work that we've done whether it's specific parts of the product the copy you see in a lot of our marketing um even like words like protecting your documents which is something that we value really highly in this business it's a it's a page on the site it's a page on the site because a lot of a lot of the stuff we heard underneath uh the uh, the sort of value prop was people's concerns around my, their documents and it not getting to places that they don't want it to or anybody looking at it or any of that kind of stuff. So we have a whole, whole page on that specifically designed around that. So I think a lot of things that didn't work early on were like we weren't addressing some of these objections underneath the value proposition and the problem that we heard. And so we had to dig a little deeper and ask people, well, like, what do you mean? Like, wh- what do you mean? Like, you already put all your documents in these other tools. You're just enabling us to have access to it, we're not doing anything nefarious, obviously, because that doesn't make sense, right? So uh, we wanted to really hear what they what they wanted, what they needed to hear in order to feel feel okay. Uh, and I think that that language and, and a lot of that terminology came out of some of the early uh, feedback that we got around people who wouldn't install it, or people who wouldn't connect the other tools and the other apps, because they felt like they were giving an, a third-party uh, access in some way. But if you read that page, we're very clear about what we do and what we don't do. And, um, or at least what we do, which already implies what we don't do, right, in the way that we wrote it. And so I think that one of the things people forget is that there are objections. You could solve the problem and your solution could be great, but there are objections that people still have that's preventing a hundred percent of the people from actually using the product and what you know uh, as i like to say like when you have a funnel or you have steps people are taking if 100% of people aren't doing it you still have opportunity i'm not saying you need to go get 100% of people to do everything or anything like that because that's that's absurd it doesn't happen like that but my goal is always how many people can i get to get from one step to another and a lot of times understanding what people are not willing to do and why they're not willing to do it is the critical piece that i see that just people miss especially early on in a product when like there's so many other things you should be working on. In in our case, like we spent a lot of time taking that summary and really analyzing it for different sort of things that we heard from people. So it's like, if we hear today, somebody wants a certain feature or somebody has a certain objection, we actually go back to that research and say like, do we hear more about this? Is there now that we know that a bunch of people are objecting to this, can we look at this research from a different lens? So I would say that like, Um, it's super interesting to actually not just take the sort of research you did and sort of think you're done once you have the product from it. We actually keep going back to it, one, because it's just so good and it's summarized and it's very detailed. And uh, you can probably guess that uh, Marie is super detail oriented and has a, a, a strong amount of rigor that she puts into everything she does. And I've actually learned a bunch from that, because for me, like shooting from the hip is like a much more natural thing. And for her, uh, going deep and being very thorough is more of a natural thing for her. That's probably why we make a good team, because sometimes uh, one way works and other times the other way is better. And that that has really enlightened me to this idea that like this research is something you keep coming back to and this research you come back to once you get a different perspective.
1: And I'm sure like that that probably acts as an insanely helpful resource right now, but probably one you'll have to redo right every few months or year or depending how fast things scale and the product changes, right because um as you reach different you know like you've got the early adopters and the tech enthusiasts now, and then as you keep going upwards up the product uh, sort of life cycle curve, you're going to get more of the mainstream market, different opinions different so here's prompt. what's cool
0: here's what's cool: the research we did early. Um, we made sure we got a good spread of type of people.
1: So you're in,
0: in theory, you're totally right. Like, yeah, right now we have a certain group of people and yeah, we do. And these are the people that are willing to try products just like you um, and are willing to deal with some amount of pain and things like that. Like right now we don't have all the integrations, but there's some people who won't try it without an integration with box, for example, while there's other folks that are happy to try it even though they need other integrations because they just want this problem solved and are willing to try an early product. That's one lens. But in our research, we talk to people who work at companies that have 10,000 people. We talk to people who are just starting out. And that spread helped us really understand the difference between smaller companies and larger companies. Because in, in, in our product, that's really a big metric. It's how large is the company. and the size of company really does impact the usage and how they think about their requirements, especially when it comes to like,
1: yeah, did you focus this first iteration on smaller mid-size enterprise? Or did you try to make it applicable to, to that wide array of users that you were talking to?
0: Well, because you can imagine that this product integrates with other tools, that a lot of the other tools are targeting different size uh, businesses. So for us, it was really just figuring out what can we integrate with and what, what, integrations are we willing to support early on? So today, if you use Google Google Docs, Dropbox, and Slack, we're a pretty good tool for you. If you use like Box and Microsoft services, even though we do have a OneDrive connection, but Microsoft has a lot of other services, um, we're probably not as good for you because you're not using Slack. You're not using Dropbox, you're using Box, you're using uh, SharePoint, right? And other tools like that. Uh, Or you're not even using Google Docs. So today, if you don't use Google, we don't even let you sign up. Um, And so those are all things that we have a lot of work to do on. But because we integrate with other tools, those tools are specifically targeting different size customers. So it's almost like, I don't want to say by accident, but like essentially natural for us as we integrate with more tools that we get different types of customers.
1: Right. You kind of piggyback off those initial integrations and, and the markets that they're attracting already. Um, you got which which is massive, right? I mean, G Suite, Dropbox, Slack. I mean, that's that's a massive market. I mean, the work the work is cut out. Um, and 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 you were talking about this, right? Is 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 onboarding and getting people to the next step? And this is another topic, right? You could you could film a, a series of podcasts on, and there's endless schools of thought on. But um, I think when I signed up, I, I can't remember, but I think it was a little different than what I see now. Um, so how did you like? How, what, oh, what you were that, that early. yeah what what is does that process uh, like iterative process look like is the same thing sort of going through user feedback um like right now i'm looking at a screen what would you like to use fyi for i want to search for search and organize all of my and then there's a drop down work personal or education uh documents in one place and then you sign up as you said with gmail so um and then obviously there's more after that but how did you like what did that process look like of landing on on the onboarding that you have now
0: Yeah, it was literally, we, uh, as part of our product habits sort of work to nail this product, we actually researched um, three other products from a user testing and user onboarding standpoint. So we user tested three other products, uh, ran a bunch of videos, like uh, a bunch of people going through them, and we wrote these detailed summaries and shared them with the audience. And the three that we uh, sort of uh, user tested were Grammarly, Mixmax, and Duolingo. And so a lot of our onboarding was inspired by components from those products, but not because we copied those products, but it's because we heard what people had to say about certain aspects of those products and how they felt about those pages and those screens and the experience. And so we mimicked our experience uh, on aspects of success and aspects of failure that we saw in those other onboardings. So it's like, on one hand, I want to tell you, don't reinvent the wheel. On the other hand, I want to say, don't just copy what you see out there because you think it's working just because that company's successful. So we were really impressed by those three products. We could have just copied screens from them, which is not what we did. Instead, we studied those products. And what we learned from those products dictated how we uh, designed our product. And if you notice, both Grammarly and Mixmax are mainly Chrome extensions. Uh, that's like the main use case, the main kind of way, to del- way that the product is delivered to you and so so is FYI today. And uh, Duolingo is not like that, although they do have a bunch of different features that get you past just their website. But we wanted to study great onboarding, and we wanted to study onboarding that related to the product we were building. And so that's how we did it. And so that screen that you mentioned is um, highly, des- highly optimized after we tested it around a screen we saw in Grammarly, where they ask you, uh, what kind of writer you are or something like that in order to customize the experience. And we were really inspired by the sort of Madlib style, uh, filling in a sentence approach. And if you notice like the copy we use on the homepage is very similar to the copy we use on that screen. And also like that screen, like it's good, but we think we can do better. So we might be iterating that screen sooner than later.
1: I love that approach. And Grammarly does have really good onboarding and, uh, it's it's interesting when you study different companies onboarding. It's like you have to you have to sort of be cautious because you don't know you could be looking at an A/B test. I mean, it, and if it's a right, if it's a bigger company, like you likely are, right? Like so many of these companies that have high volume of of users are are always testing, and so it's like I like that approach of sort of distilling a lot of the things that you liked and then coming up with like your own twist on it. And and obviously, uh, I'm sure you're going to keep iterating on it, but it it feels good now. Right. Like it, very simple uh, and easy to sign up. And, and, and I love that about it. Um, pricing. You mentioned that uh, in your product on post that you worked with with Patrick over at Price Intelligently, Price Intelligently. Um, and you do have, uh, w- which has become a s- sort of the norm, right, in the in the in the product, the SaaS space is like you have an unlimited sort of free plan. Right. That's that's that's. Uh, um, uh, in addition to a, a few a few paid plans and then an enterprise uh sort of model to have people contact so how did you um like what 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 went into this decision making process um both for for the for the different packages but also having the unlimited free plan
0: yeah i i promised myself i wouldn't build a saas product or saas products without a free plan cuz one of my original products crazy egg from back in the day um had a free plan and it was very successful and then we cut it out and we are still dealing with the ramifications of that, um, that are just very clear to me now. <laughs> um, and so part of it is just like freemium or bust. So that, that's a motto that I have when it comes to SaaS. I don't want to work in markets where that won't work. I don't want to work on products that are not freemium. I think you can appreciate that considering data box has a very generous free plan. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, uh, working with Patrick at price intelligently here him and I have debated freemium for years now. So it was fascinating to come back to him and say, hey, this is going to be freemium. Help me out. We're going to teach the audience how to do pricing research uh, with you. Uh, are you down? And he was super into it. Uh, and so we had uh, about a three or four week period where we, where we used ourselves as a case study to show how to do pricing research for our product. And I think the biggest learnings there are like, there are a lot of limiting beliefs people have about pricing and how you can nail pricing. And I wouldn't say that by any means we have nailed our pricing yet, but validating the fact that people will pay per user for our product, super important. Validating the fact that there is a category for a value metric that we need to use, super important uh, things. And this we wouldn't have nailed at all unless we did pricing research. We would have been making shit up. And that's the key. I don't. I want to be informed when I make these decisions. Even today, the pricing you see today for our product is going to change. There are some things we know we screwed up, and and that's fine. But we screwed up a lot less than if we would have um, went down the path of making it up ourselves, like I've done in the past. I mean, even the tiered pricing. I can say that with my product Crazy Egg, when we launched it in 2005, we were the first, one of the first folks to have tiered pricing in a SaaS product in the way that we specifically did it for a self-service product. And we had this grid that was really cool. And someone even copied the CSS and HTML of it back in the day. Because basically, when you chose a pricing plan, we, we just moved the, the pricing page around a little bit. And all of a sudden, you had a sign-up form right on that pricing grid. And it was really cool. And so I have a lot of baggage, I would say, from doing it wrong. And so this time we wanted to do it right even before we launched. So the biggest lesson there is like you can get a lot of directional feedback on pricing even before you launch your product and you should do that. And then once you launch it, I think you learn a lot more. Like right now we learned a lot more about pricing, especially because now we can look at the data and say, okay, this many people are seeing our upgrade prompts and they're not working or they are working, right? And then how are they working? When are they working? Who's upgrading? How are they upgrading? All those things are sort of what you get to learn once you actually launch it but you can have a way better idea of what it should be before you launch. And there's like a ton of iteration that we have to do there. It's one of the one of the things that keeps me up at night is how much iteration we have to do on this product across many different areas.
1: And just from looking at the grid is the value metric it looks like maybe searchable activity is that is that what you're banking on right now because the apps and integration once you hit standard it's unlimited.
0: Yeah, that's that's what we're that's what the category of value metric that we're going to hit on is is probably the way I'd say it. There are a ton of changes that we're going to make to that because quite frankly, it's hard to understand for people because they don't know what that means. And, uh, we have work to do there.
1: Right. Right. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, the, the, the free plan has 30 days of recent activity and then standard is two years plus is five years. So, uh, yeah. So was it, was that something that you had heard about, uh, as, as a want, like wanting to go back farther? Was that something that surfaced in, in user interviews?
0: Yeah, so I think it's interesting when it comes to user interviews and value metrics. We actually heard that sentiment uh, more in the surveys we did on the pricing side. And in terms of the user interviews, I think that those interviews don't really tell you much about pricing. They they tell you a lot more about what, uh, what where is the pain. So yes, there is pain the further back you go for certain types of people and certain types of organizations. And so we heard more of that And less of like, oh, they want to be able to search further and further back. It's more about they have problems with like documents that are older than certain uh, amount of uh, sort of time and things like that. So, again, this that specific metric is actually going to change. So I would say that like whatever we have today on that searchable activity, we have a lot of work to do to get to a better place there.
1: And a lot of it is like
0: technical because. the technicals of that are actually a little more complicated than you'd think because we're going across all the services and and being doing that collation and that collating, as you described. Um, so it makes it a little more challenging because we're not just relying on our own metric uh, and our own service t- to derive the metric. We have to base it on some of the things that the APIs provide from the other services.
1: Right, right. And it's been only, what, if, since the official launch? It's been a few, a few weeks? Has it been a month yet? um
0: uh, it's been about 13 days
1: 13 days uh things move quick huh and uh what what can you share so far about uh any early traction i mean granted you you've been working with users now for a while um but in in the in the few weeks and it's, it's i guess it's not really a lot of time but and uh any anything early that you can share in terms of like what the what the initial traction has been
0: i know this is probably going to be like very similar to the theme that like i've talked about this whole time uh talking to you about this but like And this is going to sound funny, but when we launched, there was not a single thing that we were surprised by. And the reason for that is the depth of the research we did. Like, I I would not trade that research and the amount of time we spent on that for anything. Because when we launched, we didn't hear anything that we hadn't heard before launch. In some ways, that's super frustrating, because you expect to launch and get all this feedback that would help you. Uh, And I'm not saying the feedback hasn't been helpful, but everything we heard before launch all the way from the early interviews to even people like you using it and going through the different iterations and now getting to one that like you actually are willing to tell people about. Um, (laughs) We we didn't hear anything new. Even today, like the things that come in on Drift, uh, because we use Drift uh, for feedback, are very similar to things that we've heard before. So what we're doing now is essentially counting what are the things people are saying and how do we focus on all the right things based on that. But like, honestly, it was it's the only product that I've ever launched where and I've launched a bunch, like at least a dozen, uh in different uh across, you know, like a decade and a half about. Um I, I've never had this effect where like the things that we heard uh pre launch are very consistent with the things that we're hearing post launch. Like one to one, hundred percent consistent. There's like one integration out there where they don't have an API and they better have an API soon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So for example, there's, uh, uh, people uh, like we, we heard a lot of people on Evernote. We had, we've had Evernote for a bit in testing. That's why it's on your, in our site, but we haven't been able to launch it to everybody yet for some small technical reasons that we kept hitting. Um, uh, same with box. There's a couple things about their APIs that cause a few kind of hiccups for some users. And so, um, yeah, there's, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, I have a lot more theories on why that's the case here. I think part of it is just that we're solving a problem that hasn't been solved to people's satisfaction and we are solving it with a higher satisfaction rate than other things in the market. And in some ways I'm excited about that. In other ways I'm like, well, okay, how do we make it better if we're not able to get the kind of feedback that we need to make it actually better beyond what we already know? So there's a bunch of aspects of that that I think are going to push us in how we do research and come up with some new ways to do research that I haven't seen done before. I'm still thinking through that, and so is Marie, but that's been one of the biggest challenges uh, and also uh, very exciting, to be honest, uh, to have that effect where like everything we heard pre-launch, uh, we're hearing the same exact things post-launch.
1: Right, right. That, that is a really exciting opportunity. Um, and last question. I mean, being number two on Product Hunt helps. Uh, well, what's been working in terms of just like user acquisition thus far and, and what's the plan going forward for how do you, how do you plan to, and maybe you're not thinking about that just yet. Uh, but how do you plan to scale that?
0: Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. Uh, we are definitely not thinking about that right now, um, uh, because it's just not the most important thing. You know, we're, we're, we're in this for like a very long haul. We know, we know that it's going to be a long haul mainly because of the problem space and how difficult of a problem it is to actually solve. One of the reasons people haven't solved it is this isn't just a technical problem to solve. There's a lot of user experience things that you have to nail in order for people to love your product in this case. Um, and so for us, user acquisition is actually fully on the back burner and has been for a while. There are a bunch of st- levers that are obvious in our product uh, that we could be using right now, but we're on purpose not using them because there's a bunch of stuff about the experience that we're working on improving. Um, That being said, uh, we plan on building a better product, (laughs) you know, and continuously making the product better and better. And there are some easy things we can do, like add more integrations. I say easy because to a user, they're very easy. You know, if you you use Evernote, you're going to want Evernote in here, right? Well, that's easy because we know what to do about it. It's not easy because there is a bunch of challenges because you're dealing with other companies and their APIs, which is kind of, I'm starting to sound like a broken record on that, but it's true. Um, not all APIs are created equal. Uh, not everybody builds a great API like Stripe or Twilio because yeah, it's usually a, a thing secondary too. thing. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. I know you do. Um, and so that's probably the biggest fun one. And we think that just by adding more integrations, we we have some level of acquisition that we get. But user acquisition is definitely not that important to us right now, uh, as silly as that might sound uh, to people that are listening. Part of the reason is this is a long, long haul that we're kind of signed up for and, and you know packed up the van for already and uh there's there's uh no no there's no silver bullets on user acquisition these days i think it's more of a ton of experimentation so when we get to that growth phase of the business um we, we would want like as much attention put on it as possible and if we were to do that right now we wouldn't be able to put enough attention on it plus like we'd have a lot of uh, there's there's still a leaky bucket in terms right, of our right. funnels
1: right product experience first I love that i mean Thank you so much, Heaton, for walking us through. Um, I thought this was a great opportunity to to not only walk through the the launch and 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 go to market for FYI, but with somebody with your background and experience and pedigree, like it just like I said earlier, it just acts as a as a as a sort of uh, uh, a clinic for for how you can do this successfully. Now, obviously, there's different ways, and there's variables, and there's nuance. But um, for somebody that's been through this so many times, it was great for you to walk us through it. And congrats on on the early success. And I'm a user, so I'm looking forward to seeing how this evolves and and continuing to use the product and seeing where it goes from here.
0: Yeah, just make sure you tell me how to make it better. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, thank you for asking about FYI. There's a number of topics we could have talked about, like data and stuff like that. But we talked about FYI. That's great. Uh, I look forward to coming back one day and talking about data too, though.
1: Awesome. Awesome.